This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellez interviews Barbara Dahlgren, the author of The Choice is Yours, 52 Choices for Happier Lives. Barbara Dahlgren graduated from college in Texas, majoring in elementary education with a minor in theology, married a minister, and has spent over 50 years in ministry all over the United States, including 10 years in Appalachia. She now lives in San Jose, California, where her husband pastors South Bay Christian Church. She has written a history column for a newspaper in Kentucky called Patterns of the Past, book reviews and various articles for Christian magazines, such as Light and Life magazine, Natchvolge, Focus Jesus, etc. She wrote an ongoing column in Christian Odyssey magazine entitled Thinking Out Loud, 2008-2014. She still freelance writes for publications. Barbara currently has a weekly, for over 10 years, blog called Barbara's Banter. For five years, 2014 to 2019, the theme of the blog was choices. The best of these were published as a book in November 2019, entitled The Choice is Yours, 52 Choices for Happier Lives. Her 2020 theme is joy. She wrote a quarterly column entitled Zorro and Me, 2000 to 2018, about her husband, whom she affectionately calls Zorro and their adventures in Ministry for Connections, a journal by and for ministry families. These columns were published in a book, Zorro and Me, Adventures with a Masked Man Wielding a Sword. Barbara also speaks at women's retreats, conferences, rotary clubs, and other venues. Meet Barbara on barbaradahlgren.com. Here is the interview with Barbara Dahlgren. In your own words, who is Barbara Dahlgren? Well, first of all, um, I am a child of God, forgiven, redeemed, accepted, and loved by God. I'm also a wife, mother, grandmother, friend, humorist, writer, and speaker who loves music, traveling, watching old movies, laughter, reading, writing, learning new things, spending time with friends and especially my family. And my first question is who, what, and where is God to you? Well, I think God is love and consists of three distinct entities that are called the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who are all one. 
I don't think God depends on our belief in him to exist. He's always existed and always will. God is not far away. Jesus, as part of the Trinity, came to earth to dwell among us, letting us know he desires a relationship with us. And Jesus demonstrated his love for us by dying for our sins. Through Jesus, we're offered forgiveness, acceptance, grace, and mercy. And God is always with us. And if we invite him, uh, he will dwell in us and help us in guiding and directing our lives. Another question is, how and why did you choose to become a Christian? That's an interesting question. Uh, I think it goes back to years ago when my mother became a Christian and I was um, in high school and she went to a church convention and invited me to come along. And I was so impressed with the love of the people at this particular convention, the selfless love that seemed to reach out to everyone that I decided that I wanted that type of thing in my life. And I think that was the catalyst that made me explore um, a deeper relationship with God, who I always believed in God, but I just wanted a deeper relationship with him. And I started reading my Bible. And But I would have to say it stems back to meeting other Christians. You know, there's an old saying that one reason people become Christians is because they've met Christians. Mm, And the main reason people don't become Christians is because they have met, quote unquote, Christians. (laughs) So I think it all fits on the Christians you come into contact with. For me, fortunately, these are some God-loving and people-loving Christians. So that love that you speak of, that God gives us, do you think it's possible for us human beings to love in the same way or be loved as God loves us by other human beings? Well, I don't think that we can love in quite the same way because God is a spiritual being and he is um, offering us unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace and mercy. However, I do think through a relationship with him, we can learn to love others in a much better way. And God is a spiritual being. You also write, God is our loving father. So I'm wondering if God is also a loving mother and if being a spiritual being, if God has a gender. I don't really think God has a gender. I think he is a combination of both genders. That's just my personal feeling because uh, I think we have to realize that when the Bible was written, that um, they weren't in the same kind of time frame that we are today. And genders didn't seem to have um, as much negative meanings as they have come to have today. 
And so uh, I think when I read the Bible, I don't look at God um, in any kind of gender, other than the fact that in the Bible, the metaphor is used of God being a loving father. And I think that's used so that it's something that we can identify with. Have you ever used that phrase in a different way, as I mentioned before, God being a loving mother? Or you try not to use that? <laughs> I, I use that when I speak because um, I think it might confuse the issue. However, I do speak mostly to women's groups. Right. But, you know, there, there are passages in the Bible where they uh, speak of God in a metaphorical way where he uh, gathers his chicks under his wings like a loving mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are scriptures that refer to him in that context. You wrote a book titled The Choice is Yours, 52 Choices for Happier Lives. So what do you think life is and who chose to be here? Do you think we chose to be here in a human body? Oh, God did. Well, no, I don't think that choice was ours. I think God made that choice for us. However, I think we choose how we are going to use our time on earth. Those choices are ours, but I do think that God made the choice for us to be here. And what do you think was the... um... God's idea or purpose for us as humanity. Do you see a purpose for the human experience? And if you do, what is the purpose? Well, first of all, let me say I do love the word purpose instead of mission. A lot of people like to use the word mission, and that always sounds so task-oriented to me. And being a little lazy, I don't like to focus on more more things I have to do. But I do like the word purpose because it makes me feel like my life matters, and I Mm. think all lives matter. And it makes me feel like that what I do each and every day, just going about a daily routine can make a difference, not only in my life, but in the lives of others that I come in contact with. So I think my purpose might be just to share and show the love of God to my family, friends, neighbors, and all those that I meet on my life's journey. How do we know when we have found the purpose of our lives? Well, I think everyone's journey is different. And my purpose may not be the same purpose that another might have. So I I wouldn't be able to say when that epiphany arrives in everyone's life. And I don't think it is like a light bulb goes off in our head and it's like, oh, yeah, that's going to be my purpose. I think it might be something that we grow into and then perhaps we wake up one day and say, yeah, I think that I think that's my purpose. My next question is about happiness. What is happiness to you? What makes you truly happy? Well, I I. I think there's a distinct difference between happiness and joy, and I prefer to 
um, focus on joy more than happiness. I think happiness is dependent on our circumstances, whereas I think joy can share its space with other emotions, mm -hmm. even with sadness or shame or even exist in the darkest and most difficult times. Mm -hmm. You know, hard times cannot take away our joy. Sometimes they can take away our happiness because there's joy, peace and comfort for me, and just knowing that Jesus is always with me and he'll never leave or forsake me. He walks with me and helps me make it through. And I think joy helps us look beyond current situations. What does it feel like? What does joy feel like to you? Um, that's a good question. I think joy for me feels like Life has purpose and meaning, and it makes me thankful to be alive and to be a part of the whole process of life and the journey. It might not be a feeling, right, Barbara? I'm not sure if joy is like... Oh, I don't think it is necessarily a feeling. I think it has aspects of feeling certain things, but, uh, but I think peace is good. It gives you sort of an inner peace and calm as you go through different situations. And then on the other hand, it can just make you feel exhilarated too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a multifaceted uh, concept, I think. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? Um, let's see. Well, I think to me, freedom is responsibility. I, I think freedom should not be a license to do harm to anyone, but I think freedom should be used for the good of others. And I think we are all free to treat others with dignity and respect. Would you relate freedom to choices, making good choices too? Uh, yes, to a certain degree. Uh, I think uh, I think it would relate to that, yeah. At this time, with all the challenges that we have been through, that we are going through 2020, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And also, do you have a vision for a new reality? I don't have many visions. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's cute. I think I can help you there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I do feel the world's greatest need is kind of summed up in that old song, uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. You're probably even too young to remember that song. But uh, I think we need to, uh, I think we need love and I think we need to love God. We need to love others and I think we need to love ourselves. And when I say love God, I think we love God by acknowledging his existence and greatness and being grateful and thankful for all the blessings we have. And no matter how bad things get in our lives, we can always find something to be thankful for. And I think we love others by accepting them and treating all people with dignity and respect. And I think we love ourselves. Uh, and I think loving ourselves starts with acceptance of who we are and not wanting to be somebody else. And that doesn't mean we condone everything we do, but we realize we have the power to make changes. We love ourselves by not dwelling on our past with regret over things we can't change, but looking forward to, to a future with positive anticipation. 
And I think we love ourselves by not giving up and learning from our mistakes and trying to make each day just a little better in some simple way than the day before. Would you say that this is a practice of unconditional self-love? Well, I think that word unconditional is a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we can love ourselves unconditionally, but that doesn't mean we love everything we do. Mm, I think yeah. part of self-love might be to forgive ourselves, mm -hmm. but in that forgiveness, we need to learn from our mistakes. Uh, and like I said before, not give up and try to make each day a little better for ourselves and for those around us. How did you become a writer? Well, you know, there's an old saying that writers write. Uh, they, they, don't, <laughs> they don't always get paid to write. <laughs> but, and I can't remember a time I wasn't writing. I mean, even as a kid, I was always writing poems and stories. And I started writing professionally in my early 20s as a newspaper columnist for a small paper in Kentucky. Uh, I like to tell everyone I wrote for the London Times, and I did. But it was in London, Kentucky, not London, <laughs> England. Uh, my, my column was called Patterns of the Past, and it was about the rich heritage and history of the Appalachian area of the United States where we lived at the time. And that lasted until we moved from the area. And then I basically became a freelance writer. I've written book reviews, articles for magazines, and columns for mostly church publications, but other publications too, and that led to speaking. And then when blogging became fashionable, I did that along with other writing. One thing about a, a weekly blog is that it forces you to write. And I've been doing some form of blogging for about 20 years. It started with a bi-weekly internet column called Walking in the Valley, which was called that because we lived in Silicon Valley, and the tagline was One Christian's Amusings About Life's Journey. And when that one ended about 10 years ago, I started Barbara's Banter, taking my faith, but not myself, too seriously. My first book actually came from a column I wrote for ministry families in a publication called Connections. The title was Zorro and Me, which was a compilation of true funny stories about being in ministry for 50 years with my husband, who's, uh, I've, I've affectionately nicknamed him Zorro. Funny things just seem to happen to the guy. And I wanted people to know that God has a sense of humor and mm. wants us to not just journey down life's road, but enjoy the ride. Mm. And then my latest book is called The Choice is Yours. And that came from a blog I've been doing on choices for about five years. I have talked to people who have said that, that there's a difference between believing in God and knowing God. Do you see any difference? Yes, I do, because I think believing can be academic. Uh, many people believe uh, in different things from an academic point of view. But the other involves a relationship with God. And that comes from daily walking with him, getting to know him better, giving him uh, rule over your life, and then you come to know him. I mean, uh, in the Bible, 
I'm not sure if you're familiar with Joe, but he went through a lot of hardships and there's a whole book written about him. And there's a scripture back there where he basically says that uh, he did believe in God, but now he knew. So I do think there comes a time in a person's life when they actually know God and uh, not just from an academic point of view. When did you got to know God? You stepped from believing to knowing. Do you remember that moment? Well, here again, I don't think it's an aha moment. It might have been for Joe, but it certainly was for <laughs> <All> me. <right. laughs> and everybody's journey is different. But I think mine was a gradual process. I think you used the word process, and I like that word a lot. And uh, it comes from um, being consistent in your daily walk, I think, with God, um, trying to learn more about him, even reading the Bible from the point of view in the New Testament of what Jesus did and why he did it and uh, getting to know his love for you. And then gradually you seem to experience it more. But I do think it's a process. Do you think that is a process of trust, getting to trust God? Um, yes, I think it is a, a process. And I do think trust many times in our lives is a choice we have to make mm, yeah. because I don't think it always relies on how we feel. In other words, you know God has been faithful in certain areas of your life in the past. And if a circumstance comes up where you feel you need to trust him more, you can't just wait for that feeling to come. You can just say to God, I choose to trust you in this particular situation. I refuse to rely on how I feel. Would you say that when we are not able to make a good choice, is that because we are not aware of the choices we have? Well, I'm not sure choices can always be divided into the category of good and bad. Mm, I, um, I mean, there are times in life um, where you make the better choice, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the best choice or a good choice, but you may have limited um, choices mm. or, uh, that you can make. And so you just, you take the better of what you have. I, I mean, even sometimes if we choose not to make a choice in a particular circumstance, that in itself is a choice. Mm. And there may be reasons that we take that avenue because of what's presented before us. And I'm wondering what causes this uh, limitation, not having or not seeing the choices and making not the best one, just like you said, making a, um, a choice that's not as good, but not being able to make it the best one. So I'm wondering what causes that limitation? Well, I think we all probably have certain limitations, um, maybe with our job situation, our family situation, yeah. um, the age we are. Yeah. Uh, 
can give certain limitations uh, in our lives. I mean, uh, as I'm growing older, I uh, there are certain things I can't do that I was able to do at one time. And uh, so I have certain limitations, but I can make the best choices I can or try to make the best choices I can within the limitations that I have. And I might add, I can always choose um, how I feel in a certain situation, whether I'm going to be bitter or better or whether I'm going to act or react to someone. And I can make the choice to not let others um, others uh, who might want to force me to feel a certain way. I don't have to let their their situation influence me in a negative way. Maui, that's very empowering to be able to do that all the time. Do you, do you think it's possible? <laughs> all the time? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Not really, right, Barbara? Yeah, not really. I, I think, uh, like I said, you're talking process here. But I do feel that the more we practice something, uh, the easier it becomes. Right. I mean, practice doesn't always make uh, make it perfect, right. but practicing certainly makes our lives a lot better. Another question I have, I'll go through some of the choices. You have 52 of them. I'll go some of them I have highlighted here. Why do you think some people choose to believe in a punishing God, quite the opposite of a loving God? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the type of God you're exposed to, uh, maybe at a young age or even as you get older. I do think um, religious denominations have played a part in that with the whole concept of heaven and hell and that uh, if we don't accept God, then we're going to burn forever. And that, to me, doesn't sound like uh, a loving relationship. And I think that has a little bit to do with it. Do you believe in more than one God, or there's just one God? I believe in one God, but which is a trinity, which it is three in one. Uh, so, but yes, I would have to say within that, I believe in in one God, yeah. So the choice I, yeah, I would like to talk to you about next is the choice number nine, choose to forgive. So talk to me about forgiveness. Is forgiveness another process? I think it is a process. You know, it's interesting that you focus on this chapter because uh, this is one chapter that I've gotten a lot of uh, feedback on and most of it, well, all of it positive, actually. And uh, so, yeah, I think it is a process and it's certainly not an easy one, but I think anyone will tell you if it's something you can learn to do, your life will be better for it, not just the lives of others. I love the way you actually outline what forgiveness is not, not what forgiveness is. So talk to me about some of those lines that you wrote there, Barbara, what forgiveness is not. Well, I don't think 
forgiveness is forgetting what's happened to you. I think that's unrealistic. Um, Our minds just don't work that way. I mean, God can have perfect forgetfulness that when he forgives our sins, that he doesn't remember them anymore. But uh, so I don't think it's just that we forget what has happened to us. That's almost like denial. And I don't think forgiveness is that you just automatic, automatically restore trust in someone. And uh, because trust is like a bank account that the more people put into that trust account, the more you can trust them. So if you have to forgive someone, the trust issue is they have to kind of start all over again to build your trust. And I don't think forgiveness is condoning what someone has done. If people do something wrong, then they've done something wrong. You can accept their apology, but that doesn't let them off the hook. You don't need to say, well, that was okay when it wasn't okay. And I don't think forgiveness is pretending that something didn't happen or pretending that you weren't really hurt. And I don't think forgiveness takes away accountability. Um, you may forgive someone who stole your car, but they might need to still spend a little time in jail after that happens. And, uh, and forgiveness is not always reconciliation. Uh, it can lead to reconciliation, but it's not like you just instantly say, okay, so now we're just friends again. And forgiveness is not weakness. Actually, forgiveness It takes a great deal of strength of character to be able to forgive and uh, and forgiveness is not conditional. Um, You you forgive because it's the right thing to do and you do it from the heart that it's not like I will forgive you if you change your behavior. I mean, God forgave us before while we were yet sinners, before we changed our behavior. That doesn't mean that he condoned everything that we did, but it wasn't, I'll forgive you if you do this or you do that. Then from that forgiveness, we have determined that we want to live a better life because God has forgiven us. And you don't earn forgiveness. Mm, Uh, And forgiveness is not easy. Mm. It's, it's, It's just not easy. It also doesn't take uh, a certain amount of time, right, Barbara? Some people believe that it might take 10 years, five years. They think in, in terms of time. Would you say that that's also not forgiveness because it might take a lifetime? Um, I, think you, you, I think you can forgive, uh, which means that you can love that person instead of their faults. But I think it would be take time to restore the relationship, to um, build trust and all of those things. But I think that you can forgive them and then move on. Because really, until you forgive someone, they hold you a prisoner. I love the way you also have the health benefits of forgiveness and you list them. Would you say that these are also signs once we have forgiven? 
I think so. I, uh, I think forgiveness is a win-win situation, yeah. but I think it benefits us much more than it benefits the person that we're forgiving. And another one I love, it's the choice 10. You mentioned before, God has a sense of humor and choose to laugh. For all of them, you have some suggestions for practicing those choices, each one of them. And I really like that one, choose to laugh and uh, the practices you have, the suggestions. Would you like to add anything to this one? Because I have others here that I liked. Oh, well, <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you liked any of them, to tell you the truth. Uh, but uh, laughter is a very big part of my life. <laughs> and I really do believe that God has a sense of humor. I feel that he created laughter and laughter is good. And I think we lead healthier lives if we can learn to laugh at ourselves, laugh at circumstances, uh, I mean, scripture says that uh, laughter is good medicine, and I do think uh, we've discovered that uh, in the world, that your positive outlook can make a difference in your health and your well-being and choosing to laugh. And, and it's a choice. I mean, some people have a very difficult time laughing, and I always suggest to them just, you know, just try smiling for one day. You know, just just try it, you know, <laughs> just try smiling for one day, even though, you know, they've done uh -huh. studies that uh -huh. even if you smile and it's a fake smile, that it does something positive to your well-being, you know, so you can start with a fake smile and maybe it'll turn into <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And now you made me wonder why some people don't smile or they don't laugh as often. And that I do not know. Uh, but I do know this. I've just always been very grateful that I grew up in a family who enjoyed laughing and enjoyed life. And, and, we do have a tendency just to take ourselves way too seriously. And if we just, you know, lighten up a little bit and, uh, you know, and, and cut others some slack in that area too. And I love the choices you have here because they teach us to access joy and to enjoy life. It's interesting that even the, let's say another word for God some people use is light. So that's what makes me think about laughing, being joyful. It's light. It's not heavy. It's so light. Yes. And, you know, uh, I respect your perspective on, um, on God or whatever you choose to call it, because yeah. we are all in different parts of our journey. Right. And I don't think it's healthy for us to be putting each other down for yeah. different concepts. Another one that I like that you use, I love this one too, Choice 25, choose to let go and let God. Beautifully written. 26, choose to use freedom wisely. Choose love, of course, 27 is like, um, it sounds like common sense to most of us, choose love all the time. But for some reason, we don't. And this is a wonderful reminder to all of us to keep choosing love. 
Well, it's hard for some people to choose love when they have never felt love in their lives. I love the way you talk about kindness too. Uh, choice 35, choose to show love and kindness. And you mentioned even that kindness reduces anxiety and depression. It alleviates stressful situations, similar to forgiveness. It's interesting, all these beautiful and light practices, they, they just lead us to a better place in, in every way. I absolutely love to this one, choice 50, choose to recognize a miracle. So my question to you is, what is a miracle and how do we learn to recognize it or them? Well, I think a lot of it depends on our outlook on life and our perspective. If we choose to just see a sunset as the sun going down, or if we choose to look at all of the colors in the sunset and the way that they're put together and realizing that that is the only sunset like this that we will ever see because mm -hmm. no two are alike. And so I like, I think a lot of it depends on our outlook on life. And most people equate the word miracle, I think, with a supernatural happening. Yeah. And uh, I don't, uh, and although that, that can be accurate at times, but then if that's all you focus on, you miss all the miracles, I feel, that are around you every day. Would you say that we are a miracle too? Oh, I, I definitely would say we are a miracle and a unique miracle because no two people are alike. Right. We all have different fingerprints, different DNA, even our voice quality and tone no two are alike mm, yeah. uh and so yes i think each person is a remarkable miracle so we're almost at the end i have a few questions for you i call them final questions before that would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book our choices not only make a difference in our lives but in the lives of those around us our choices can become a light to others and actually glorify God. While it's true that bad things can happen to good people through no fault of their own, we still choose how we will let those situations affect us. Will we choose to become bitter or better? We may not always have control of our lives, but we can control the choices we make in every circumstance. Will we choose to act or react? We know we cannot control people, but we can determine not to let them control our responses or thoughts. And perhaps that's why the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 8, to think about or meditate on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy. What we think about can motivate us to make good choices. Thank you so much for your beautiful message, your, I was about to say mission. We, we don't, we don't like that <laughs> word. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Let's leave that one out, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you for your lovely and loving work. So I have a few more questions. I'll ask you this one. What is success to you these days, Barbara? What is to be successful? Well, 
I think success means different things to different people. For me, success is not tied up with fame and fortune, and I think it's unwise to be comparing ourselves to others mm. and adopting their ideas of success, mm. um, which is easy for me to say because I'm not rich or famous. Because <laughs> I might have a different philosophy. <laughs> However, rich and famous people will tell you it does not bring them happiness. And I think success is making a positive difference in the lives around you. And we don't need fame or fortune to do that. Success is also learning from our mistakes and to keep moving forward, even if it's little by little. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? Um... I think the hardest lesson I learned was being content with who I am and not wanting to be somebody else. Um, and that's not easy to do right. uh, because I'm a flawed human being and I see all my flaws. And uh, I would like them to be magically erased. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. But I think the lesson I learned was I just need to try to be the best me that I can be. I think it was Mark Twain or somebody said, it's so difficult to, to pin down who actually gave us certain quotes today, because even if you get on the internet and try to research them, they will attribute them to different people. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's part of what you said, just be yourself because everyone else is taken. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Um, I don't know that I would make changes or live my life differently. However, mm -hmm. I would consider the knowledge of knowing I would die soon as a blessing mm -hmm. and use whatever time I had left by letting God know how much I've appreciated his blessings. Mm -hmm. I'd let those who've impacted my life know how much I've learned from them and that my life was richer because they were part of it. I would let loved ones know how much they have meant to me and that they should not spend valuable time regretting anything they think they should have done differently in our relationships. I would encourage them to live life to the fullest and look forward with anticipation and not back with regret. And if they think of me at all after I've gone, I'd ask them to remember any laughter we've shared and pass it on to others. And if, and if after all that, I have any time left. Of course, that's going to keep me pretty busy. Yeah. But if I have any time left, I might try to go to Maine. Mm. And you're probably going to say, why would you want to go to Maine? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Maine is the only state I haven't stepped foot in. Years ago, I had an opportunity because we were an hour or so south, and my husband said, do you want to just drive up to Maine? And I said no, because we had a time constraint. But little did I know that it would be the only state I had not been in. So now when somebody says, do you want to do this or that? I say, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> wow, what a powerful message for all of us, right? Because we never know. Yeah. 
My last question. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Well, I think life is a gift from God and he wants us to enjoy it. I think life should be used to share God's love with others. And I think a little laughter makes the bumpy ride down life's road much easier to bear. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Barbara, for the gift of laughter and sense of humor. That is divine. It is uh, your beautiful, genuine presence and your message. Thank you again. Thank you. very. I really enjoyed this interview. I have one more question, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, I think the best place would just be at my uh, website. Go to www.barbdahlgren.com, www.barbdahlgren.com, or an easier way would be just to Google Barbara's Banter, which is my blog name, and that'll take you right to my weekly blog, which has all the information about my books and me. And the tagline of my blog is Barbara's Banter, taking my faith, but not myself, too seriously. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Barbara. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Barbara Dahlgren and her work, please visit barbaradahlgren.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.